all authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Authors, I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with women's fiction and rural romance writer Rachel Johns. And I'm chatting to Rachel about the Romance Writers of Australia, RWA, women's fiction and romance readership, the craft, tropes of writing romance, hybrid publishing, and so much more. So in my author adventure this week, whilst I want the Hybrid Author podcast to be a place of encouragement and self-belief for your writing and authorship career, and I want us to be productive, and I also want it to be an honest, authentic telling of what a writing career is like. And although everyone's author adventure is different, like most things in life, there can be highs and lows. So this week, I've had both. We'll start with the lows and end on the highs. The first one being a rejection for my junior fiction book. I felt super sad receiving it. This is the second rejection for the book, The Caravan Kid, first in series. But, you know, I believe in the work. It's well written and it's a really funny story and it definitely deserves a home. So the positives here was I bounced back relatively quicker than the first rejection. Uh, there was definitely noticeably less self-bashing. It was more of a Lisa Kudrow from Friends moment. Oh no. Anyway. <laughs> A few days prior to the rejection, an established author friend, I won't say who, offered to take a look at my work should I need any help in the future and commended me on the time and the effort that I put into the author community with doing the Squibby newsletter and the social media and obviously this podcast. And uh, they had just said that they... They have been where I was now, you know, uh, working hard, raising a family, waiting, waiting, waiting on publishers to try and get your work published. And uh, also in the meantime, you know, sharing other author successes and giving back to the community. So I mentioned to said friend that as soon as I received word back from the publisher, I would definitely send the work their way if it was a rejection. So as soon as the, the rejection rolled in, I sent the work straight over to them and they read it really quickly and provided some really good feedback for me to make some tweaks to the work to make the overall manuscript stronger in places so thank you very much you know who you are if you're listening you're an amazing soul and it's just wonderful that we can reach out to each other to pull others up and yeah just generally help each other in general so I just wanted to share that so if like me you've had or are having a bit of a downer week just remember to keep going it is worth it and it will happen one day that's what's so amazing about listening to other authors and sharing stories and helping each other. Like in this interview coming up with Rachel Johns, she talks about hitting the 10-year mark of writing and trying to get published and questioning whether she should keep going because, you know, she's been doing it for so long and it's such a tough market. But look at her now, 29 plus boots and thriving. So I hope the interview brings you the inspiration it did me as I was editing it. It was just what I needed to hear this week. Yeah, I, I advise counteract what happens 
tends to be negative with doing something positive, like putting yourself out there again if you receive a rejection and really establishing why you're doing this in the first place. So for me, I, you know, the frustrations coming around the publishing sort of side, well, uh, obviously the traditional publishing side, I want to just go back to the playfulness of writing. That's why I'm doing it. I want to write books and I love the writing. I love the stories, uh, but the publishing sort of side is, um, can be frustrating. <laughs> so there's some big changes in my personal life coming up, which I can share in the next couple of weeks. And this has made working on my writing really, really difficult because my time has been needed elsewhere. And with that makes me feel like I'm falling behind on my schedules, which realistically I am. The top secret project which I talk about only via my newsletter has been affected here so if you want to be brought up to speed on what's happening there you can sign up for your free author pass over at the hybrid author website hybridauthor.com.au and you will get fortnightly newsletter keeping you up to date on what I'm doing there as well as other hybrid authorship musings I don't share anywhere else. So with this personal life thing that's taken up a lot of my time I have had to think about where my time is best spent when it comes to say the marketing of my non-fiction books uh, as well as everything else. So I'd wanted to do an in-person event for freelance writing quick tips for fast success book in March and I had secured a place as well but I've actually decided not to go ahead with this. I'm not sure if it's the right thing or the wrong thing because a positive this week was I received my boxes of books for freelance writing quick tips for fast success. If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook or anything you would have seen me doing the, the whole cutting of the box open and uh, I ordered about 200 so it was really cool to see them but obviously I have these books now I need to sell them so this in-person event was going to be part of that but I just think it's going to be too much with everything else. One of the main highs this week for me was the my online bookshop is open and available. My books are on there for sale. Well, at this stage, I am only going to be selling digital products. So the ebook versions and the audiobook versions of freelance writing quick tips for fast success and author fears and how to overcome them is available. You can buy them direct from me, which means I'll get all the monies into my bank account rather than having to pay a third-party distributor. You can still get the print products through all the usual online stores and obviously I said I do have boxes of the freelance writing books so if anyone is dire to buy one from me you can email me at joanne at hybridauthor.com.au and we can work something out but at this point I'm not going to be setting up the print versions from my shop the explanation on that later but if you would like to buy a digital copy people have been asking uh, you can head over to hybridauthor.com.au slash books and get your versions there and if you do happen to pick up copies of my books I would love a review where wherever online would be fantastic whether it's on my website or somewhere else as these books are new and they're just getting out there I haven't actually got many reviews going and uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to I have been selling some I've been selling print books through Ingram Spark I've, the author fears has just gone up uh, as you've heard in the last couple of weeks the print version and uh, I've sold copies in Europe I've sold I think there was a copy in Canada France and Poland if, whoever you are, if you're listening, thank you for buying my book. I seem to sell some in France and Poland. So that was another high seeing that I'd sold, uh, I think it was about 11 copies of Author Fears and just a couple copies of the freelance writing. But so overall, I think I've sold about 40, between 30 and 40 books between the two. I made a declaration, I think, in one of the episodes that I would love to get to 10,000 book sales this year. And so yeah, I'm slowly chipping it away at it. That may have been a bit ambitious, but 
uh, I'm still going to give it a good crack. So the wonderful Thorn Creative is responsible for the Hybrid Author website and the creation of my online shop. Thorn Creative are also the first sponsors of the Hybrid Author podcast, so let's hear their sponsorship now. Thorn Creative, where beautiful websites for authors are brought to life. No matter what stage you're at with your writing, your stories deserve a dedicated space to shine. Whether you're just starting out or have a bookshelf full of bestsellers, your website is the hub of your author business, binding everything you and your books offer together. Thorn Creative can nurture all aspects of redesigning your old site or start afresh from the initial design. They can provide ongoing hosting and maintenance to marketing your books online, saving you time, money and stress trying to wrangle your site yourself. An author website built by Thorn Creative can easily direct readers to your favorite retailers, your publisher, or simply set you up to sell to them direct. The options are endless. Thorn Creative have worked with many authors across all genres and know what goes into good, functional working author websites to sell books. Head on over to thorncreative.com.au slash websites for authors to read author and publisher testimonials and to see what they offer and some of the sites they've created. Rachel Johns is the Vice President of the Romance Writers of Australia, RWA, and attributes the organisation and members to much of her success to date. An enthusiastic advocate for the romance genre, Rachel shares RWA's passion to help encourage aspiring, emerging and established authors in their careers, whilst also championing on the genre and the rest of the book industry. Once upon a time, briefly, Rachel was an English teacher. Then her dreams of becoming a novelist came true. Now she spends her days writing rural romance and women's fiction in the Swan Valley of Western Australia. Her book, The Patterson Girls, won the Abia Award in 2016 for general fiction. And she's also won the RWA Australia Ruby Award twice. When she's not writing, you'll find Rachel reading, occasionally sewing, hanging with her adorable sheepadoodle, or listening to audiobooks while driving around or cleaning up after her three teenage boys. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Rachel. Oh, thank you so much, Joe, for having me. I just recently discovered your podcast and I've been loving listening to it. Oh, thank you. We're absolutely honoured to have you on as a guest. So we'll start at the start. How did you come to be a writer and, you know, write oh. in the romance and women's fiction genre? How long have we got? Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a long story. Um, I started writing at 17 and I didn't get published till I was 31. So if my math is right, that's almost 15 years. But I was never, like, I don't know, you've obviously interviewed a lot of authors and met many other authors yourself. And I've just found that there's kind of two usually types of authors. And one is the person that has wanted to be a writer for as long as they can remember, you know, since they were first introduced to a book on their grandmother's lap or could hold a pen and were scribbling in their own, you know, little notebook, making up stories. And then the other one comes to writing later in life. And I feel like this is often through therapy. That's definitely what happened to me. I wasn't a massive reader in, definitely not in high school. I, you know, loathed 
all most of the books that they wanted you to, to learn in high school English. So it's quite hilarious that I became an English teacher later. And I didn't read many of them. I got by on reading the York notes, you know, and just listening to what other people said. Um, I did love the Babysitter's Club books, you know, in like year seven and eight. And I would sometimes borrow what I re- now realise is a romance novel from the school library. I went to a Christian school, so they're all like Christian romances, but I absolutely loved, loved them. A lot of them were historical too. But yeah, I never really thought of myself as a reader or wanted to do anything to do with books or writing. And then I, that's because I was like obsessed with one boy all through high school. And that takes a lot of time, you know, if you're imagining, you know, you had a crush in high school and, and it's full on. And so I hadn't, that's why I think I didn't have much time reading because I was spending so much time obsessing over this boy. And sort of a miracle happened. Most of year, most of our high school life, he would, you know, run in the other direction if he saw me coming because everybody knew that I was obsessed with him. <laughs> That was quite embarrassing. Thank God there was no Facebook or, you know, anything like that because I started to think what I would put on. But then towards the end of, in year 12 at the beginning, a miracle happened and he asked me to the ball. And I think he only did this because he knew basically that I was a sure thing. And, you know, if you're 17, you're asking someone, it's going to be a bit daunting. And he also knew that he couldn't ask anyone else because they would be too scared of me to say yes because I'd probably kill them. And that's probably true. So we ended up going to the ball. And then from there, we sort of went out. Um, and I use that term loosely because we barely saw each other outside of school. Neither of us were driving, I don't think, at the time. But, you know, I thought he was the love of my life. We were going to get married, have, have have babies, you know, live happily ever after like most people, you know, do with that first love that you have. And we went out for about five months. And then towards the end of that time, he said something that I wasn't 100% happy with. I can't remember what it was. And I, I said, you know, I don't think this is working out. Hoping he'd say, no, Rachel, you're the love of my life. Don't leave me. But he didn't. He said, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> so I accidentally dumped the love of my life and I was completely heartbroken. And for some strange reason, over the summer holidays between finishing school and, you know, starting, I was supposed to be starting primary school teaching. I decided to write the book of me and this boy. And it was absolutely horrible. It's 80,000 words of absolute rubbish. I shouted to think if anyone would ever read it. But I did. I caught the bug. I loved the fact that I could sort of make up these characters, play God and, you know, dictate how, how things would happen where in real life, you know, I was less in control. And so during that time, I just thought, I just love doing this. I want to do this for a job instead. So I stupidly changed from a writing degree, from a primary school teaching degree to a writing degree, literally the week before I was due to start. And that was probably, you know, not not a good idea because I didn't really learn anything about writing books. It was very literary focused and I kind of thought that to be a published author, you needed to write the Booker Prize or, you know, something serious or, or poetry that was okay. Yet secretly, you know, I, I'd fell in love with books again around the same time. And I was devouring books like Bridget Jones' Diary and all the other chick lit novelists that were out at the time. And so it took me a long while to realise, oh, hang on, that's where I should be focusing my pursuits. And so I got a number of projections and stuff and I was starting to get disillusioned and it was about, I'm sorry, it's a long story, but I'm wrapping it up now, hopefully. It's <laughs> it great, about, it's great. Um, <laughs> probably, I think eight years into my you know trying to write I remember I was 26 and I was pregnant with my second child and a friend and I who went to uni together we suddenly remembered an article we'd seen at uni not it wasn't something we were taught at uni we probably mocked it at uni but it was about Mills and Boone books and how you can make an absolute packet writing for Mills and Boone there were a number of people doing this in Australia so we suddenly thought why are we trying to write a literary you know prize winner we'll just write a romance novel how hard can it be and the problem was I had never read a Mills and Boone in my life and yeah I had read you know, things that were romantic elements and romance novels, but Mills and Bean is a very specific craft. Anyway, I read 50 in a month 
And I actually sort of, or prior to that, I'd kind of thought, you know, I had that bad sort of opinion of Mills and Boone that a lot of people do, that they're just trashy, you know, paperbacks that are about heaving bosoms and throbbing manhoods and all that. And so I read them and I thought, I've read about 50, as I said, they're quite short. And you know what? I absolutely loved some. I didn't love others. It was exactly like, you know, all the books I read, some I enjoyed, some I didn't. But I suddenly saw a specific path. I thought if I can learn this craft of romance, then I, I it seemed more likely that I'd be able to get published. It took a long time from there still, another, I'd say, yeah, five or six years. But through the other thing is when I first started to write in 1997, Google wasn't really a thing. You know, the internet was a baby. But then fast forward to 2026, when I decided I was going to write a romance novel, I Googled how to write a romance novel. And suddenly I had all these articles, forums with other people, so much information. And through that, I stumbled upon the Romance Writers of Australia. And I joined them immediately, started doing online courses, entering their competitions, eventually going to conference once I didn't have baby hanging off me and um you know met really good writing friends and and people who could help me grow as a writer both published and unpublished at that time and yeah so that's when I finally started making proper inroads into writing and eventually I published a digital romance with Karina Press um which I call one of my Mills and Boone rejects because I never got across the line with Mills and Boone at that stage I did many years later so it's funny how things you know work out and then through that digital publishing meant that I get to go to a dinner with the Harlequin authors in Australia and that's how I met my now publisher and yeah the rest is history (laughs) wow that's quite a story it is that's a very short version I missed out lots of little pieces on the way along the way no I love it though that it you know it sort of started with romance and then you know crushing whatever and then and you've ended up doing that as well and our our stories are tiny but similar in the sense that not so much like the romance but I started out like with the YA genre and same as yourself Mm -hmm. it was sort of you 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 know you write this book and it's almost works as catharsis like you it was like a I call it a verbal vomit or verbal diarrhea of my adolescence or something but it was something that I had to get off my chest I suppose yeah uh maybe change the names of a couple of people (laughs) and I think about it to one person but moved on but I have felt differently from writing that first book did you yeah did that kind of tie your first love romance after writing that did did that kind of just tie it up and a little bow and you felt better um, from it or not really yeah I think it did it still took me a while to get over him <laughs> but it yeah. was definitely the beginning kind of of the process and I think then I fell in love with romance writing at the time and so realized that there was plenty more fish in the sea so yeah. to speak but yeah it's I, I since then I've met a number of writers like who I, I can laugh now about, about it being therapy, but I really think, you know, it was at the time and it was very yeah. serious at the time. It, you know, heartbreak yeah. is so traumatic. But now I've met other writers who, you know, their mother died or they were diagnosed with a serious illness or they, you know, there was some sort of other loss in their life or, you know, they lost a job and, and they decided to start writing because of one of those things. Um, and I guess they were pouring their feelings onto the page and stuff. And then through that, they, I mean, maybe that's why they sew so many first novels, slightly autobiographical. Of course, the more novels you write, to me now, it's less like therapy. You're in the groove. Therapy, yeah, it's not therapy anymore. But you know, and the more novels you you write, obviously, less you you can mine from your own life, unless you have a very exciting life. And I don't really. (laughs) And lots and lots of lovers. Yeah, exactly. And I've just been married for twenty years this year, so you know. (laughs) I thought your story was actually going to go that you you ended up marrying him, but no. (laughs) 
but it sounds like you know you you, you fell hard and you had to go through that romance yep. and that love and that loss I think to be able to write about it you know quite authentically which is pretty cool yeah, <laughs> probably not to you back then <laughs> no but to be a romance writer or indeed any writer I think I mean you need to be in touch with your own emotions and you need to be able to and I don't know whether I necessarily always am you know I think we hide our feelings from ourselves and stuff but you need to be able to really dig deep in the emotion of your characters and you know it helps then if you have experienced some of those emotions yourself yeah yeah that's it and also the mills and boons are they still going are they still yes, thing definitely today? they celebrate i celebrate sorry they, actually they do celebrate next year's 50 years apparently wow. um, i don't know if that's in australia or worldwide because i thought it was a bit longer than that yeah. so it may be 50 years in australia but yeah, they publish, they used to publish 72 books a month. Um, yes. And a lot of, you know, before we before we came on air, you were talking about subscribing, people subscribing to yep. books and things like that. And a lot of, you know, Mills and Boone readers were subscribers over the years. So their books would just land, they would, they would subscribe to a specific type of series because there's many different sort of sorts and their books would just land, you know, in their letterbox and they would devour them. So um, Mills and Boone readers were a specific kind of reader and they, ne- don't, they didn't necessarily you know, read a particular author, they read a type of story. And they're still out there, um, but I think there's so, the romance has expanded so much more that there's so many other options apart from just Mills and Boone now. And that's that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it means that they're not there. You know, it means that they're not necessarily synonymous when you say romance writing. You know, I, I think it's be a long time and that's what happens when you've got a good brand, I suppose. Yeah. You know, if I say I write romance, people immediately say, oh, you mean Mills and Boone? Yeah. Um, and I'm not offended by that because, as I said, I know how hard and I know many Mills and Boone authors and I have. But I think that that's only one type of romance. And there's so much more out there in the world of romance. There's longer books, there's, you know, now more diverse kind of books. So, yeah, I think it'll probably always be there that romance is synonymous with Mills and Boone. Yeah, that's it. Well, my mum used to read them and uh, even back in in Britain as well. And and then we would we would read them because she had them uh yes well, I know so, I so many people them. that have that you know and I felt <laughs> like I always feel like not a fraud exactly but so my mum didn't read Mills and Boone books my grandma didn't read Mills and Boone books whereas um I know a lot of writers you know and not just Mills and Boone writers but romance writers in general now found or discovered their love of reading because they were sneaking you know books before they probably should have been reading them and um enjoying you know there's a lot of there's a lot of education in Mills and Boone books <laughs> I can't remember it was so long ago, but I have heard that before that um they they're they're not just easy to write and you can't just pump them out. Like Definitely I've, I've heard that as well. But they're quite small. How how many words were they? Yeah, they are well anything from you know, about fifty thousand words, some of the imprints are two up to like seventy, but generally at yeah, fifty to fifty five thousand is the sweet spot. And I am a person who writes long like um I struggle to get a book under 120,000 words that's why I did eventually get published with Mills and Boone but after changing and writing a longer book and then getting published quite a few longer books and then an editor sort of I met um at one of the romance writers conferences said to me oh you know have you ever thought about writing for Mills and Boone because maybe that's your way into the US or whatever because you know the romance market is quite uh competitive and you know each of a lot of the romance readers they people publishers say they want to read you know stories set in their own backyard which I don't think is true I think the publishers are the gatekeepers and so that's changing slowly as I guess people self-publish more books in different places and major books like Leanne Moriarty's and Jane Harper's and stuff who have made publishers realize that hey you know read American readers or British readers would quite like to read an Australian set book but at the time 
she said to me, I think maybe this would be your way. I love your rural romances. She read one of them and she's like, I really love that, but I don't think I'm, I can find a market in the US. So how about writing Mills and Boone? Have you ever thought of that? And I said, well, actually I tried for years and I've forgotten how hard it was. So it actually was harder for me to write those three Mills and Boone books than it is to write a longer book because it is such a tight craft. You've got to really focus on the main two characters. There's not a lot of extra room for sub plots and, and secondary characters, which I really enjoy having fun with. And yeah, so I think every, you know, there's no, nothing is easy in the writing world, you know, um, <laughs> there's, it's just that they're, they're different. Yeah, that's it. Well, th- that's maybe why you struggled, like you said, if you're, your forte is the longer works, yeah. uh, whereas I'm more shorter and need to flesh out. So maybe oh, I should join the Mills and Boons. Maybe you should. Well, the other <laughs> thing I think I thought you were going to say, and the, the other thing is when I decided to write Mills and Boone, yes, I did write read 50 in a month, but I wasn't a diehard, passionate romance reader then. You know, I'd been reading more general fiction books like Monica McInerney's type of book, uh, Cassie Kelly, Marion Keys, which do have romantic elements. So uh, what I would say is, you know, a lot of people are always like, oh, write what you write what you know, but I think you should write what you love or want to know. And the thing is, I was trying to write Mills and Boone when it was my heart wasn't necessarily there. And, you know, that I liked them, but that wasn't my first love of story and then similarly that's what I was going wrong at uni or for the years following uni because I was trying to write literary fiction when that was not where my you know passions lie either so yeah if you can't just write a Mills and Boone because you think a it'll be easy you need to write a Mills and Boone because you don't want to write anything else yeah you love it yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and the same I did a writing degree too and it is that sort of teachings isn't it it's not very yes. commercial or anything and, and I almost felt like it like I learned a lot but I felt like it sabotaged me a lot as well oh, it definitely and- sabotaged me but that's probably <laughs> because I did it so young and I was just entering my writing sort of world but I'm saying that it was also 25 years ago now when I started and I do think there's a lot more different degrees out there now that focus on other types of writing but it's a matter of looking for them because yeah all of them are not equal yeah and I think they're they're starting to talk more about self-publishing and different things so they're maybe trying to include a bit more in the curriculum yeah I'm sure they're coming on leaps and bounds (laughs) yeah (laughs) fingers crossed uh so yeah back to the romance writers of shoot yeah congratulations on the new vice president role (laughs) thank you I don't know if it should be because of miserations a lot of work I (laughs) I don't have enough to do already yeah was that something that you put yourself forward for because you love the organization so much are you nominated a bit of well so I've been a member now for almost 17 years because my son's 17 in July and I joined just before he was born my middle son and you know I would not be published probably or maybe I would be by now but it definitely would have wouldn't have happened as fast I think and that sounds so funny when it took me 15 years (laughs) but I'd probably have been like dithering around in a little bit even longer I may have given up because not long before I joined RWA, I was thinking, you know, what's the point? I'm trying, you know, I've almost been writing for 10 years and, you know, I've got little kids, a husband who I'm not, you know, seeing much because I sneak off to my office or my laptop whenever I can. But romance writers, you know, just gave me a community. And that was the first thing, I suppose, as well as teaching me a whole lot of things. They gave me a, a supportive community of like-minded people who love reading romance, love writing. And it's not just romance. We've got I now write general women's fiction as well and there are many people who write more general fiction in the organisation. There's some crime writers who started writing romance but now ended up being published in crime but they still come along to the romance conferences because the thing is romance, crime, whatever, general fiction, 
the bare bones of the craft are the same. The business, you know, there's mostly the same as well. The marketing, you know, you can learn so much. And so that's what Romance Writers offered me, this community where I, it was the most professional writing organization I'd ever been in. You know, I'd been in local groups and stuff and, and it just didn't feel like, a lot of people felt like they were, you know, they they said they wanted to be a professional writer, but really it was a lot more like a hobby. And and then I went to Romance Writers Australia, my first conference a couple of years after joining, and I was just blown away by the professionalism of the romance writers who took their, their love with writing, but it was a business to them. And, you know, they worked, they were commercial fiction writers, and that's what I wanted to be. So I met many friends through there. I entered competitions that got me good feedback. It gave me so much. I wouldn't have probably met my publisher without going to there I, I pitched to a number of other publishers in Australia through the Romance Writers Conference they all come along and you can and so look, there's just so many opportunities and for years like I said I had a, a two-year-old and a baby that was almost born when I first joined and then had another one like two years later and then we also had our own business for a number of years I was writing working in the business looking after little kids so I always knew that probably one day I'd like to give back to RWA and be a bit more involved because I couldn't so much give my time but I just feel so much like I owe them a lot and I'd like to let other aspiring authors you know have the same experience that I did and it's also as you read in the bio it's aspiring emerging and established and I'm really I'm really passionate about making sure that that community supports all those levels so yeah that was basically why I put my hand up last year at the conference to be secretary and then um, there was a few reshuffles this year, early uh, early in the year, because people had health issues and stuff and had to step down. So somehow I found myself as vice president. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's great. That's really cool. So the conference, is there like one main one a year or different ones throughout all the states or how, how does no, that there's go? there's one. Um, it's changed from, you know, all the time I've been in over six, the said 16 years has been different, but for all that time there's been one conference a year and sometimes they've had like, satellite little conferences or events in states and stuff but the main main event of the year is a conference that takes like it goes between the different states so it's never in the same state this year it's in Sydney last year it was in Perth from Fremantle so yeah that is the sort of the main event do you fly out to the the different states each year where it is to go in person yes I have been as I said in 17 years of membership I think I've missed two one was the first one when I was literally been a member for a month and then the next one was when I had a like a three-month-old baby or something I can't remember anyway it was you know (laughs) that was why I went pregnant and and so yeah and then of course I've missed the year when everybody missed it because we had COVID and I missed two years there and they had one online so that was good but then to that I did do that. And then we had a year where it was supposed to be in Queensland the year before last, thinking that COVID would all be, you know, would be done with it. And then the borders and stuff were still causing havoc. And in the end, only the Queenslanders could go to that one. So apart from that, I've gone every year. Uh, it's a highlight of my, I was going to say, professional <laughs> and personal calendar because it's a great chance to, I know, I think often, we're so often told that, you know, people say writing is a solitary career. And um, it is in, a, in many ways. I mean, I spend most of my days in this, four wall little tiny office and not that small actually I shouldn't complain um (laughs) with my dog who doesn't talk much occasionally my cat and you know but I've never found it to be solitary since joining RWA and I think it's not just RWA but now because of the internet you know there's so many writing groups that you don't have to be in the same state as someone or even the same country and so the the internet has made writing less of a solitary career I think but saying that when you do meet 
that make, make those special connections. There's nothing like me, you know, seeing people face to face and that catch up once a year is, you know, so important. It's almost as important to me as, or probably equally as important to me as the things I learn at conference. Um, because I think, you know, we're always learning. I think, I mean, I'm, I think I can't grow anymore as a writer, then I should probably give up. So I love going to conference to learn from the other authors, listen to keynote speeches and workshops. And, but yeah, the, the community is, is so key Amazing, as well. Yeah. Is it a tax write-off, the conference? Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, and more so, I guess, in COVID times as well, like to be able to attend face-to-face is, is amazing. Yeah, I Do think you... this year after, or last year after COVID, you know, everyone was just hungry for yeah. that again. Yeah. And now you are vice president, you'll have to go. <laughs> so that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Do you know like a rough figure of how big the community is? or Yeah, um, the membership it fluctuated, I think, as long as I've been there, between like 600 and 1,000 members. Yep. I'm not actually sure at the moment. We're in the process of rehauling our membership system and stuff, and that's not I'm not involved in that part of the yep. thing. So, you know. <laughs> but our conferences generally get anywhere from like 250 to 350 people. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, there's also like um, – there's a lot of online, we have what we call, I don't think, it used to be called OWLs, I can't remember what that stands for. They're online courses that happen every month and stuff. So, you know, if you can't get to the, the conference, there's, a other, there's other things that you can do as well. Yeah. And there used to be what we called a Clayton's conference, which maybe now that I'm on Vimini, we need to reinvigorate. And it was kind of a conference that if you couldn't attend conference, you had your own online conference during the weekend. And, you know, and, and now with Zoom and stuff, it's so much easier because you can, we can, you can dress up still. We have a cocktail party, we'll dress Dress ups and stuff. You can do that all online. Yeah, that's so cool. And with the membership and stuff, are, are those types of things are they free? Do you get a discount of the courses that they offer? And um, um, so yeah, if you join IWA, you get discount on the conference um, rate. Um, there's an early bird rate and a, and a member rate. You get access to the monthly newsletter, which is packed full of you know information. You get access to the Facebook groups. And I think, yeah, you get a discounted rate on the courses because anyone can do them. But yeah, the mem- so, so being a member, there's other things it does. Like if you're self-published, being a member, you can get a in- free Ingram Spark code once a month or something to do. There's a, there's a whole host of, of, of benefits, yeah. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And um, do they pair people up in critique groups and things like that? Yeah, over the years, it's changed how they do that. And I think, as a, so I, I met my critique partner but I still, you know, through RWA and then she was a critique, like she set people up for years, critique matchmaker or whatever. But I think, you know, that that sort of diminished a little bit over the last few years because people are just, and I think that is because of um, social media, it's a lot easier for people to just post in the group or whatever and say, hey, I'm looking for, you know. So, it, it you know, I guess as publishing changes, as the world changes, the needs of, of things change. But, yeah, there's definitely the opportunity to to meet people who will become your better readers or cre- critique partners. Yeah, well, it sounds like an amazing organisation. and uh, You'll yeah, have to join. <laughs> I, it's something I'm... I'm I've got a women's fiction project that I, and I have never written women's fiction, which is funny because yeah. I love reading it as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something that I'm keen to do this year. You for won't sure. regret it. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got like 29 plus books, which is absolutely crazy <laughs> in a number of genres. Uh, and we sort of talked earlier about romance and things like that, but uh, what are sort of the different styles of the different books as in I su- I know women's fiction that's that's not just a romance that you focus on it's relationships mm-hmm. things like that but in terms of romance I guess off the top of your head is there like a list I don't know what the word is that you call it so you have things that are called you know like there's you could have a love triangle book or a 
Oh, you yes. mean friends? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. friends to enemies so, yeah. story um, or rich to rich. One of the things I think is, yeah, exactly. You're on the right track. Yeah. One of the things I think, yeah, so I write in women's fiction um, and in romance, mostly rural romance, but I've done some, you know, contemporary that wasn't set, you know, in the small novellas. And my next book is is not a, is, is a romance novel, but it's not a rural or not the one that's coming out, the next one I'm writing at the moment. But I think the difference in writing and is exactly what you just touched on, that when I write a romance novel, as we've discussed, it's not any easier than writing a women's fiction novel, but it is different. And people often you know, hate the term formula. And I, I don't really get too worked up about that because I think I think it's more a structure than a formula and all mo- you know movies have structures crime novels do you know if you read a crime and someone dies or is kidnapped on the first page you don't find out who did it by the end or not you know you're you're annoyed and the, so that's like the promise of the book and the same is that romance gives you a promise um, and that is that the people you meet in the early chapters that you know obviously have incredible chemistry but there's something keeping apart that somehow they will overcome their obstacles and they will grow together and at the end of the book they will end up together and have a happy for now or happy ever after. So that kind of means that you know certain beats you have to hit. You know, you've got a first, you're probably going to have to meet somehow and then you'll have a first kiss at some stage, maybe a love scene. You're going to have conflict, things that are, as I said, keeping them apart. And on one of the things that romance writers use for that are tropes, such as things like you said, friends to lovers, enemies to lovers, best friends, sister, secret baby, <laughs> the list Cinderella, the list is literally endless love triangles you know love grumpy it. sunshine is an, is one that's yeah. mentioned a lot recently grumpy There's, sunshine was yes. <laughs> grumpy sunshine it's great so you know traditionally it's like where the hero is super super grumpy you know no one loves a grumpy guy in real life but in in fiction there's sort of something a little bit sexy about it and and the heroine is like someone who's just super happy and optimistic and you know wears bright clothes and just loves life and then a lot of people the good thing with tropes is you know if you can switch them around or mix them up so you know sometimes you'll have the heroine really grumpy and the hero is that happy-go-lucky nice so yeah that's that's grumpy sunshine which I actually love grumpy sunshine as a trope but (laughs) the good thing about tropes in writing romance is that they inherently have a conflict there like you know say friends to lovers which you need a conflict in all books but you know in romance, that's sort of the core of the plot because often it's not crazy, you know, action stuff that's going on. The, the 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 conflict is often internal and it's, you know, about these two people working their journey out. And so you need to have really good emotional conflict and all tropes come with their inbuilt conflict. So you have boss and employee. Well, immediately there's kind of, you know, should they be sleeping together? What's it going to do to the office? And all whose power dynamics and things like that. Friends to lovers, are they going to sacrifice, you know, or ruin a friendship? That's really for, for what might just be, you know, a quick fling. So the good thing about tropes is that they do kind of kickstart your story. Of course, then you have to make them unique and as I said, maybe meld them with a different trope so that, you know, or so yeah, they that's what you that kind of you get in romance. Whereas in women's fiction, you can use tropes in women's fiction I did a workshop years and years ago where I said everything I learned about writing I learned from Mills and Boone and I realized that in the Patterson Girls which is my first women's fiction novel there's four kind of love stories it's not a romance Uh, there's romantic elements not everyone has a happy ever after so for a romance it has to be you know a happy ever after and the focus is on the love story so in my women's fiction you know there might be a romance in there there might be a love element but that's not the be all and end all of the main, main focus of the book. But I realised in, in the Patterson Girls, for instance, I have Marriage in Jeopardy, which is one. I have Friends to Lovers. I have One Night Stand trope that turns more. And so you can you can use these things in, in general fiction as well. But the difference to me is that 
it's often harder to work out the structure of a women's fiction novel because that changes depending on the premise, how many characters you're going to have in point of view. So it's not as easy as, as I said, nothing's easy, but it's not like you're following a tried and tested yeah. plot. You're kind of creating your own each time. So yeah, that yeah, that yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So obviously they, each trope is structured. And like you said, you've implemented, you know, various ones into one book, um, which is cool. Can you, I guess I'm thinking, can you do like a, a hybrid where it is one book and it's say just... I don't know, I say there would be different sort of sets of characters that you can mix and mix the tropes together. Would oh, that definitely, work out? Yeah. Or? Like, definitely, you know. So not one set the- pair pair love story, but more like, I, I, I don't know how to mix them or whatever. But, well, you know, the more, I think the more tropes, the better in a book because, you know, it, more, it means that you're, tropes are cliches, I suppose. But then yeah. if you mix them together, that makes them not cliched and stuff. Like in the one I'm currently writing, and they can change as the book goes on, you know. So I've got a love triangle in the book I'm currently writing, which is obviously the heroine in my book has kind of two possible love interest one of those is enemies to lovers one are neighbors so you know that's kind of a thing there's a grumpy sunshine element to one of them I love that uh, you know <laughs> yeah so you know I'm I'm playing with a whole load of different things and putting them together I'm not sure if that's exactly what you meant yeah yeah, yeah I think so like if it's room to play you don't have, it's one book and one trope I suppose but mixing them up sounds sounds like I guess the trope it. is the you know that's your bouncing off point you can use that but then you have to completely make it something that people have to feel like they haven't read before and to do that is by giving your characters you know making your characters come to life and they they sort of take over the the, the plot and the story and stuff um you need to have characters that people care about or your trope you know it doesn't matter if they like some people love reading specific tropes and stuff but they'll buy your book because it is you know stepsister and stepbrother that's fine you know um or or you know but then they're only gonna fall in love with the story if the characters grab hold of them and so that the mm. main romance character is key I mean I think it's key in any any type of genre but you know you can probably sometimes I think all the best like crimes that I not read all the best I really didn't read crime and women's fiction and things but you know I mean like and romance but the best crimes I read I love I'm you know intrigued by the characters and they feel like real people and stuff as well so to me character is always king and if they're not good then the plot can be amazing but you just don't feel anything story yeah yeah that's it and uh do, do people who like to read romance or even women's fiction and stuff they they they, they like little tw- do they like twists and shock to be oh shocked? definitely or they do okay yeah. yeah like I think you know that's a misconception I suppose that romance is just you know you have to you have to have tension in all books uh there's different ways to do you know the tension and so you've got a yeah twists and turns and 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 many people write like romantic spence so it's got you know a mystery element or whatever but even not even like in straight you know you want them to be guessing what's going to happen the next and 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 be surprised by that in women's fiction definitely again some are more hooky and twisty than others you know i've got some of my stories and i've got the last one has a real big twist in it and probably the plottiest one that I've written. But then, you know, yeah, so that it just varies from, but readers are very, I feel like readers of romance and readers of, say, crime, some of them read widely and read all of it, but the romance readers and crime readers are voracious and they will read across that genre usually and they will, you know, they have their favourite types of things, but they, they just devour multiple books. Where I've found sort of general fiction and women's fiction, it gets a different sort of clientele. Some people, I suppose it's a crossover, but I've noticed that the people who read my women's fiction books, they're often, you know, they're, they're busy working people who often um, have kids or 
careers that like occupy a lot of their time and they'll they're holiday readers or book yeah, club readers yeah. is what I, so you know they won't they <laughs> won't read maybe 20 books a month which romance readers often do they'll maybe read one book a month um, maybe six in the summer and you know they'll read a book club book so yeah I guess they they are looking for a different type of read but I think all fiction is escapism and that's what everyone wants absolutely yeah no nailed it there so you obviously have worked your ass off uh you know (laughs) to to get to where you are and you've got a plethora of books with the top five publisher and that's amazing and sharing all you know with everybody else being the vice president of RWA with your experience and knowledge now, as this is a hybrid author podcast, have you yep. consider putting out any works of yourself, like um, do any self-publishing of future books? Well, never say never. And I have dipped my toes into it. A few years ago, probably about five years ago now, I did self-publish one of my Australian novels, The Greatest Gift, overseas. But I paid someone to help me do that, which it was good, because, it, but I also felt very detached from the whole experience and didn't really learn and that's what I needed at that stage. More recently, my 17 or 16 year old son, actually, over the summer, he has formatted some of my romance, real romance novels, and we're working on putting them out in the US. So I think to me, so I guess yeah, I am technically a hybrid yes, author, you're a hybrid. Um, but <laughs> it's not, it's nothing, I would never do it without the help of other people. Like That's not my passion. Uh, it's more like I know many people who are really successfully professionally independently published and, you know, they love the writing and stuff, but they also often, you know, very business minded or design orientated. And, you know, they like being in control of the whole, the whole package kind of thing where I don't really want that control. You know, a friend of mine, Macy Yates, mentioned at a, at a romance writers conference not long ago you know people say to her because she writes you think my 29 books as well in the same time she's written about like 120 or <laughs> wow. something yeah <laughs> and you know not just short books not you know and she's very successful and people say to her you know you can write so fast you can write like 10 books a year why don't you just self-publish them you could be rolling in money rather than having to wait for the publisher to do you know their stuff and to you know things do take longer in traditional publishing and I think you know often people are impatient and that's why they (laughs) decide to get self-published so I want to come back to that if you don't mind yeah she said (laughs) she said that you know she doesn't want to do that stuff uh she might be able to earn more money you know by not giving it all you know not giving half of it whatever away but her passion is writing books and stories and that's exactly how I feel like I decided I wanted to write books I didn't ever decide I want to be a publisher so it's more if I have the time or someone's going to help me then I'm not opposed to it but and of course there's the other the other reason like sometimes you know everyone's got different reasons for self-publishing or indie publishing I have friends who decided that's the way they were going to go from the beginning for various reasons and then I've got other ones who've lost traditionally published contracts but they're not willing to give up their writing and I think that's so wonderful that now we have you know if one door closes there's hundreds of other doors open and so you know I'm not saying never because if I was ever in that position I'm a writer and that's what I want to do. So Mm. I'll work out a way to do it. But right now, for me, traditionally published is is the way that I feel I can really get the most out of what I'm doing. But yeah, I think my only sort of warning as a member of, as as, as a member of, you know, of someone who's written for how many years? 25. And in that time, you know, I've been published for 10 or 12 now and seen a lot of changes in the publishing industry. Like when I first started to write, or even let's jump forward to when I first joined RWA and I start, I feel like that's when I seriously started to write. I thought I was doing it serious before then, but I really wasn't. You know, then there was no, there weren't the options we have today. Well, definitely self-publishing wasn't as 
is accessible, I would say. Not easy, because we know that it's not an easy option, you know, but easily accessible. You can just upload stuff to Kindle and Kobo and iBooks and, you know, tell the world about it through social media. So many things were different. And so it wasn't an option for me. Like, it literally Mm -hmm. wasn't. And then it was a few years before even digital publishing was an option. So that, you know, was great. But because it wasn't an option... We had to work really, really hard. A lot of people have got, num- I got numerous rejections, which set me up for bad reviews. It set me up for not being precious about rewriting my own work. And, and it made me, like, I'm glad that it wasn't an option then because I think I probably would have been tempted to go, ah, oh, someone rejected this book. What do they know? Like, you know <laughs> yeah. And so I really think if you're going to indie publish, you got to work out, am I, am I doing it for the right reasons? And if the only reason you're doing it, well, it depends what you want out of your career. If the only reason you're doing it is because you, can't wait you're too impatient then I'd say maybe just think think twice and say do you want this longevity because but if you're doing it for all the right reasons then we're so lucky that you know the options are there yeah absolutely no well said there but the books that you did self-publish were you looking to experiment or was that to get into different markets it was really because um so I've had a couple of books published in the US my first book Jilted or my first rural print was Jilted was published and also The Art of Keeping Secrets which is my second women's fiction and they were picked up by Harlequin over there and I'm published by Harlequin so far in Australia but they basically did nothing with them you know they just put them on the shelf and they both they both sold really really badly so if if any, if ever you sell bad, badly in any territory, it's very hard to, you know, get get another contract because the booksellers and stuff aren't going to put you in the shop if you. But saying that, the people that did reach them really enjoyed them, and then um because we are global now with social media and our websites and you know those people started following me and then when I'm releasing a new book, they're like, well, why, when's it going to come out over here? You know, yeah. <laughs> and so. I would love it to be available for all those people. So for me, the reason to self-publish in- internationally is not because I want to make huge amounts of money, although that would be lovely. It's basically because I want the readers that have found me already to be able to keep reading me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Wow, you shared so much, Rachel. I cannot thank you enough for your time and expertise. Honestly, oh, thank it's you. Been it's amazing. Fun. I love talking writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I could talk to you all day, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's all so amazing information. So thank you. Uh, but where can our listeners discover you and your books? You know, in store and online. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, most of the bookshops and Big W and all that. Some of the time, um, I've got a website. Just Rachel with an A, Rachel A E L, racheljohns.com. Um, no, not .com. .au, racheljohns.com. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And I do have an online book club on Facebook with my friend Anthea Hodgson. It's called the Rachel Johns Online Book Club. And that is just such a wonderful community with over 5,000 nice. people in there. And, you know, everyone just loves sharing their reading. And so there's a lot of good stuff there as well. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told my book club about it as well because we oh, had awesome. one, one of your books there and everybody loved it too. So Oh great. Yeah, no, it was great. No, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. That was amazing. Thank you for having me. <laughs> So there you have it, folks, the remarkable romance writing, women's fiction queen of WA, Rachel Johns. Now I've signed up for the RWA and can't wait to get started as a member of this fabulous organization. And I'm ferociously working my way through Rachel's books. So if you love women's fiction or rural romance, check them out. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, we have award-winning children's and young adult 
fiction author Pip Harry, and we chat about hybrid writing styles. Wish you well on your author adventure this next week. That's it from me. Bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.